five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. was uh ace with the sultry sounds of paul carrick on vocals there and paul carrick i've talked about him a little bit in the past he's had a very uh interesting career and he had uh three major records three major hits with three different bands a lot of people can't uh, a lot of a lot of musicians can't have that claim to fame. So he had How Long with Ace, then he had Tempted with Squeeze, and then he had uh, the Mike and the Mechanics tune, which was which was was it Silent Running? Was that the name of the track? It was a huge hit, <laughs> and um, that was a really good career move by Squeeze when Jules Holland left the band. They're like, hmm, who should we get? How about Paul Carrick? Oh, yeah, let's have our biggest hit yet with Paul Carrick, The Hired Gun. And a very tight tune. That was a song when I was a youth that I, I actually really liked. And I liked the atmospheric keyboards uh, in, in, the, in the song. And I really dug that kind of scorching, tasty, hot solo about two-thirds of the way through. Anyway, welcome to the show, 15 Minutes of Flame. I'm Robert Phoenix. If you're listening to the podcast, we just heard Ace. Just letting you know. We've got a lot to talk about today. In fact, so much to talk about. I actually extended the show out an extra 10 minutes because there's so much happening right now. And we still have a lot of 9-11 debris to clean up before we can move on. Um Quick story, and then we'll get into uh, a little true hemp science. I was talking with Chris yesterday, and uh, I'll give you a bit of an update on our our product, our white label product that Chris is developing just for Chantaria. I'll give you an update on that in a second. I'm not going to tell you how I got there. It's not it's not normally a place that I hang out just to giving you full disclosure here, but I was, I wound up, I wound up going through an escort service last night. Now it has nothing to do with me wanting to get off on, on porn. Uh, and then, by the way, I'm not too proud to say that there were periods of my life where I did, I did do that. And I realized this is fucking with my head. I need to stop doing it. It was a while ago. So, um, but it had nothing to do with any of that. And, and again, I don't want to share the details with how I got there. But when I got there, 
I was fucking shocked. I was absolutely shocked because all of a sudden it hit me like a cold Arctic blast that one of the biggest, biggest industries in this country right now is the sex trade. It's one of the biggest industries that's uh, that's taking place. And um, I may get into that tomorrow on the Friday forecast. That just might be my dive tomorrow on the Friday forecast because it is huge. I mean, we are talking Weimar Republic on steroids. And it has, I think, an absolutely devastating impact and effect on um, the structure and order of life here in the United States So, and in the Western world. We'll get into that, and I think probably tomorrow. But I was stunned. I was stunned by the ubiquity of the sex trade at a local level. Let's put it that way. All right, let's get into a little um, true hemp science here and a little meet and greet with chat Taria. And then we have a lot to cover. Our buddy Shadow is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. And um, we're going to talk about the railroad strike for about 20 minutes. He's a, He's got some history with it. Uh, an insider, so to speak. And um, so we're going to find out what the latest is on the details because this morning I woke up and said that there had been a settlement, but I'm not sure. And we'll, we'll get into the nitty. We'll get into the, the nitty gritty around the strike. But before we do that, let's uh, take a quick little tour here of True Hemp Science, my buddy Chris. And uh, we'll take you into the True Hemp Science world. And it's just amazing how there's this just wonderful syn synergy that's taking place um, with uh, True Hemp Science and uh, our community, Chataria, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Chris was sharing with me some stories yesterday while he was on the phone. And uh, let me jump into the uh, True Hemp Science side. I always love to start off the beginning of the show here with a little trip into Shangri-La. Shangri-La, la, la. All right, let's get into it right here. THS, not THC, THS. So I was talking with Chris yesterday, and he was um, on his way down from Dallas. And uh, what was he doing? He was he was bottling product in Dallas. So this is so this is you know we're, we're witnessing the Promethean growth of a business here. Okay. So we're on the ground floor with watching how he's doing all of this. It, it, and it's it's not about outsourcing. It's not about um, there is some outsourcing in terms of the, the where the product comes from, which Chris is very very vigilant about the quality of that product. But he's hands on to the point where he's actually bottling the product. So there was a a, a uh, lab shop up in Dallas where he was bottling the product. And uh, he was on his way back from Dallas, back down to Austin into the store where that product will wind up. And uh, so we had a really good chat. And he, he said that he is on like a George Jetson treadmill. Remember George Jetson on that treadmill with Astro? 
he's on the George Jetson treadmill with the gummies because he, he just can't keep them in stock right now. There's such a high demand for them. I gummied up last night. Great sleep last night too, by the way. So he is, Chris is, you know, basically, I would say 24-7, but he's probably about 14, 15-7 on the business front. And a lot of that speaks to the synergy of what we've been building here. I don't think he'd be nearly as busy as if we hadn't, you know, joined forces in a lot of ways. I had a great conversation with a client yesterday who actually invited Chris down to her neck of the woods, had a conversation about CBD. So this is, you know, this is a wonderful thing to witness. And, and as the business grows, there, there's always that, that uh, wonderful dilemma about keeping up with the growth. So we're going to, we're going to keep, we're going to keep putting our ore in the water here. Um, if you want to get the product, go to truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23 truehempscience.com backslash ref backslash 23. And if you order a hundred dollars worth of product, Chris will throw you some free product. And if you, um, if you order $150 of product, you get free shipping. And I will say, I'll also say this before I, I sign off on the, on the free hemp science, true hemp science rather uh, tip is he said to me, your people are the best people that he deals with. He said, everybody that watches your show or listens to your podcast are super smart, super chill and switched on. You can be smart. Like, you know, Tony Fauci, for, for all of his tyrannical machinations, Fauci's a smart guy, right? But he's not switched on. So you guys are all three. And I and again, I got to just give a little love to uh, Chataria. And let me just get in there real quick. You guys are awesome. And every day I come into this chat room, and there's there's two things that come out of this chat room. One is love, and the other is snark. You guys have the greatest quotient of love and snark um, that I've seen. And that's hard, right? Because if you're just total snark, you're snorting black pills, crushed up black pills. If you're just total love, you're you know you're, you're shitting rainbows. Speaking of rainbows. We had a rainbow connection yesterday. There were apparently, remember I've been talking about Prince and how Prince's death on the 21st of April in 2016 kickstarts everything. That's the Queen's birthday, right? Queen's birthday. There was a rainbow over Minneapolis and Prince's studios after he died. And there was a rainbow over Buckingham palace after the queen died. So now we have these two rainbows that complete the circle. Prince's last record that they released posthumously rainbow children. Ah, the synchro mysticism and astro mysticism just keeps, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Let's do a quick 
little uh, meet and greet with Chataria, the land of love and snark. Let's see what we got here. I always get to this point where it's like, wow, I almost, almost hit the end of the show button. Let's see. Oh, you know what? I shouldn't even, here, let me just do this. I don't even have to go there. Shadow's going to join us in about two minutes and we'll jump into the railroad thing. We got CC Jones, but our man Tom is back from his little camping sojourn. Sony's here. Wendy says, what's going on, Wendy? The beautiful one. Good to see you. Hucklebuck, <laughs> excuse me, Hucklebuck's here. Miss Nikia. Who else do we have? Um, let's see. I did announce. So if you follow me on Twitter and Facebook, which I, I suggest if you're not following me on Twitter, if, because some people can't handle Twitter. Twitter is caustic, right? It is caustic. But some people can handle Facebook. So I post the shows now over on the Facebook uh, feed every day. And I did post my show with, with Lindsay, also on Facebook and on Twitter. Let's see who else we have. There is the lovely one, Anna Sophia. Uh, let's see. So was it that German legislator? Yes, it was. You got that right. Started the, the 924 rumors. Who else do we have here? There's my man, Ryan. What's going on, Ryan? Let's see. Who else do we have? So the German guy did start the rumors. Yes, he did. More fear porn. What happens if September 24th rolls around and nothing happens? I mean, my my perspective and attitude around this stuff now is, yeah, we'll talk about it. Let's not get attached to it. Let's not get attached to it. Mark M., my astrological brother from another mother is here. What's going on? Jakey, the Gucci to go one. She is out on the road book signing. Our, our very own goat, greatest of all time is out on the road signing books. Great to see you here. Uh, let's see, who else do we have? Kelly B. What's going on, girl? What's going on, girlfriend? <laughs> Sorry, I had to laugh at that one. Uh, Nicholas Grimm. Good morning, Nicholas. Good morning, Nicholas. Oh, yeah, How Long by Ace. Killer tune, right? Very smooth. Oh, people are digging it. Queen Lisa likes it too. Anna Sophia, great song. Tom was off doing uh, ayahuasca down in South America. He took two days off, flew down there, first class, tripped balls in the jungle, and came back. What a warrior. Finca. What's going on? The Finca one. What if nothing happens on September 24th? I remember. I remember back when there was the Uranus Mars True Node conjunction. 
If everybody was prophesying doom, we were all going to starve and die. Did I, did I go there with that? No, I didn't. Did I go back and watch my show? On Sunday Night Astro Live, I said, just, you know, don't get into the projection of the fear porn. If the shit is going to happen, it's going to happen. Right? And then you're just going to have to deal with it. And hopefully you're ready. We're beyond the point now where if you're not ready, then you better get ready real fucking fast. There's nothing we can do about it. If the shit hits the fan, <coughs> it's on like Donkey Kong. And you and you better have some system set up. Tether your camel and trust in God. But I'm not going to get on my fucking knee, bend a knee to the fear porn. Yeah, we'll talk about it. And hopefully we'll dispel it to the best of our ability. Uh, there she is, Janine. What's going on, Janine? Good to see you. Timothy Hartful. Good morning. Jela hey, it's the lovely Jelena with the greatest AMSR. Is it ASMR, AMSR podcast on the internet? You want a healing experience, check her out. But the problem with Jelena, Jelena's live stream is that it happens at the same time as my show on Sunday night, I think. So I can't fully recommend it. You can watch her after my show, though. Please do. She's great. Absolutely great. Good to see you here, Jelena. Uh, let's see. Anybody else? Did I say hi to JMP? Hi, JMP. Fran, did I say hi, Fran? I miss 70s music. 70s music was really cool. Really cool. The best. 70s music. Taze. 100 plus years. Good answer. When wasn't it good? It's always been going on. Morning, Steve. Good to see you. Uh, it is Thursday. That's right. Pam Jerome in the house. We got a great cast here today. Chris and Steve, the Crimmies, a little drive-by. Good to see them. Julie Sunshine, triple three, the big cat mama's here. Myra's here. Hi, Myra. Who else do we have? C Pines. I think we're pretty good. I think we're pretty much up to speed here. I want to be wherever these, I know, right? Isn't that like the scene right there? That is the scene. The waterfalls. Oh, let's see. Who else do we have? Anybody else? Anybody else? Good hat. Thank you, Pam. I appreciate your uh, your hat love. Tamara's here. Hi, Tamara. Always good to see you. Check in. Ah, there she is. Michelle, what's going on, Madra Mia? Twitter is brutal. Twitter is not for the faint of heart. But it's good, though. Twitter, Twitter is good for... Um, Twitter is really good for being in the octagon. You learn a lot about yourself in the octagon with Twitter. All right, let's bring our boy Shadow in here so he can talk about, let me get, it's got to be on the post there. 
There it is, right there, right there. So it doesn't fall into the water. Let's bring our boy Shadow in here. And uh, let's talk about the, the railway strike. Get an update. Got to get my, my cans on. Of course, some of you may know Shadow as Benito. You got to get you got to get unmuted there. And then the you doing, Hey, I'm doing good, man. How are you? All right. How are you? I'm great. It's always great to get up and be here at 9 11 every every morning <laughs> as purpose and meaning in my life. Um, so thanks for being here. You and I had kind of a midnight chat last night. And because um, I knew you'd be the go to person to talk to about <clears throat> what's happening in the, in the world of the railway and the railroad strike. Because that was your world. I mean, you were there for, what, over a decade? Is that right? Yeah, 10 years. 10 years, right. So, uh, and I was I was completely on the money when, uh, you know, I called you up and you just started rattling off everything, filling the pieces that I didn't know about. Um, so, why don't you just give people a little bit of background uh, about your railroad career and kind of who you hang, hung out with and what you did. And then we'll bring them up to speed with where we are now. So I joined in October of 2010. I joined under a union called the NCFO, the National Conference of Firemen and Oilers, which is a labor organization. So like a laborer. So I built locomotive consists and I started off at the bottom of the barrel of where you, I guess like an entry thing into the railroads. Then I took an apprenticeship in 14 for electricians. So I was also, so I joined another union the IBEW, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. I did that in 14. I got my journeyman's card in 2017. So in 2020 is when I got laid off. They laid off about 12,000 folks. And that's when the contract ran out too, right? In 2020. Right. That's when it started running out. That's correct. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes with it too. You know, they said they laid off due to COVID. It was not but uh, because they've been laying off since 2018, they had been laying off since 2018, you know, in our shop that had around 420 employees went down to less than a hundred in two years. So I got let go from the IBW side of it in May of 2020. I got to come back as a laborer because I had dual allegiance. It's like paying union dues to two different unions. So I kept up with my dues from the old one. So I got to stay on with the railroad for a little bit longer. And then in September of 2020, they let me go for good. They got rid of my side. So where we're at now is they had no contract. They've been working without a contract for years. All of them, all the freight railroads. And their freight is different than passenger, like Amtrak. It's different unions, different everything. I mean, you could still have, you know, they still got to have machinists working on locomotives for Amtrak, but they're covered under a different union compared to what the freighters are doing. Those are covered under the IAM, International Aerospace and Machinist Workers. So, right, and everybody's been talking about these, you know, this rail strike that was going to happen today or tomorrow, I'm sorry. And I went through two of them. So when I joined in 2010, they were already working without a contract. I believe it was 08 is when theirs ran out. And they came to a tentative agreement in 2011. And the same thing happened. 
they were going to say, you know, we're going to, we're going to lay, we're going to strike, you know, and it came to a few days before, you know, five minutes till midnight. And then they struck a deal. And then in 2017, I believe, or 20, yeah, I think that's right. 2017, they went to it and then nothing, same thing happened, you know, five minutes till midnight, they struck a bargain. And here we are again. And the same thing happened. You know, we, we talked about it last night and it was a personal opinion. I didn't think they were going to strike because they usually do that. They'll come all the way down to the wire. And it looks like everything I was reading, and we can look at the National Railway Labor Conference or the raillaborfacts.org, and they came to that tentative agreement last night right. probably while we were talking. Yeah, that's really crazy because uh, you, you shared some things with me <laughs> that a lot of people don't know about. First of all, the, 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 rail, the railways are a fiefdom un, unto themselves, right? They have, they, it's like they have their own, they're set, they're set aside from whatever's happening with states and or the federal government. Um, it, that's one part. And you go into that a little bit. The other part is that because or, or due in large part to this, they don't have to follow labor laws that states have. So you and the rest of the railway worker uh, employees don't get sick days, which I was not aware of at all. And the other piece, and this is another important piece, is that a lot of these things in terms of pay happen retroactively. So this is a really funny story. I was on a, a website this morning, and it was a, a discussion forum. And there's this guy on there, and he was just going off about how Biden is caving to the railways and why are they getting all this money retroactively? You know, it's like, Oh, you know, the fix is in. It's like, you know, this is how uninformed the American public is because here's this guy he's, and he's on this web, he's on this forum a lot and he's spouting what appears to be on some level, a conspiracy theory. And don't get me wrong. There are conspiracies. Trust me. Right. But this is not one of them. The retroactive pay is just part of the deal because there hasn't been a contract for two years, right? Right. So why don't you talk a little bit about how the railways are almost sovereign states and systems under themselves? So the biggest landowners are the federal government and the railroads, right? They own the most land. And they own 20 feet outside of any rail line that they have, plus whatever land that they own for their shops, their HQ buildings, their plants, their maintenance of way, which are people that repair the railroad and things like that. So any land that they have. So they have, they're like their own sovereign nation. Anything happens on a railroad, on railroad land, it's their business. And they have their own police network. We called them the Hawkshaw. And, you know, they're railroad police or special agents. And you can go look, look that up. You can go look at any railroad and go look under special agents. Now they might name them like that, but you know, the jargon is Hawkshaw. So the, the sovereign thing and the, well, it's the labor laws so that they, they can't even, they can't even, they're not even, they're immune to like state labor law. So if the state says, you got to give your workers X amount of off time. They're like, no, we don't. Right. So the labor thing with the contracts, anything right. that you sign to go work for them, you forfeit everything under your state. 
So like if you're a right to work state or if you're, you know, guaranteed sick days and things like in Texas, we are right. Yep. But it's, you don't get that. Not when you sign the contract and it's based on a tier system. So when you get time off, you know, for example, I can tell you how it works. It's one week you get, or one year you get one week, two years, two weeks, eight years, three weeks, 16 years, four weeks, 25 years, five weeks of vacation. And that's how it works. And I can't remember what website, I can probably go find it and send it to you later. But there was a website saying that there was a senator saying, you know, they don't need to give anything to these people because they already get four weeks of vacation. It's like, well, that's skewed. You have to have 16 years of service to get four weeks. You just don't start with that. Nobody does. So you don't get the, and like the sick days, you don't get that. You get vacation days. Right. But you have to have years of service to a be eligible for those. So any sick days that you are guaranteed, you forfeit. So that's why, you know, it's, they're kind of their own sovereign thing. Anything that you sign under them, it's, you're signing your rights away. You're signing your life away to whatever they want. So it's interesting and and we don't have to get in the weeds around this, but people talk about like maritime law, uh, admiralty law, you know, there's also, you know, a railway law too, apparently. Right. So there's a whole other thing going on with the railways in this country. And, you know, maybe at some point we could do a deeper show on this. That'd be kind of fun to do, actually. Um, what do you think of the deal? They're getting 23%, right? Retro? 24. 24. And, uh, and then they're getting, what, two sick days? Is that right? I believe so. That's what I've been looking at. Because it, it looked like the president put them back to work. Because I was looking at the whitehouse.gov and they put out a statement by the resident, right? So, and- okay, here, here comes my conspiratorial mind. <laughs> I think the unions, for the most part, are the arms of the red octopus, right? Yes. The red octopus being socialism. All the unions come out of that. They all come out of that. And I'm not saying unions are bad. I'm not saying they're good either. Right, they're, they're, they they seem to have become a necessary function or evil in our in our world. Like my father was a teamster, and you know I wouldn't have had the life that I had growing up had he not been a teamster member and got a better wage scale and union pay. So I'm not going to badmouth the unions too much, but when you go back and look at really the birth of the unions as it relates to the auto workers. In, in the Detroit area, it's very clear that they wanted to get into these companies via the unions and start to run these various companies. Of course, Henry Ford was the great resistor. And it all happens right around the, the time of the rise of the Bolshevik Revolution and uh, the, uh, the socialist slash communist state in Russia. So unions are really an outgrowth of that. So here comes a, a conspiratorial piece. Biden jumps in 11th hour and saves the country. He's going to brag his ass off about that. Oh yeah. Right. He's going to brag his ass off. And this is a talking point that they're going to use if in the midterms, if indeed we do have midterms. So the question now becomes, because this has been going on for two years, right? This is a two year stalemate that they've been dealing with. Why now? Why now did all of a sudden the unions press this forward? And I know it's the end of cooling off periods. You and I talked about that last right. night. Um, 
but it seems to me very time appropriate for somebody like Biden uh, to come in and save the day around this. And what are your thoughts about that? Probably the, like you say, it's probably like a voting thing because it's the Democratic. Most of the unions are all Democrats. Right. right? So they're all going for, we need to support the president and his staff. And, you know, within the, within the press release, they name all the people that they wanted to thank. Right. And I haven't looked them up just yet, but like, it's historically, they'll always side with the president that does something like this. Cause then they're saying he unified everyone. Right. But, you know, I looked at one piece and I think I told you yesterday, there was one union that that didn't ratify they voted overwhelmingly against signing this and they've already pushed it through yeah so that was that was something that that i was curious about because when you and i talked last night you said that it had to be not just be a majority but it had to be everybody voting yes and on the same page or else it doesn't go forward right so now you have one holdout and they're like, too bad, we're pushing this through. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it, it happens because I'll tell you, so I was with the IBEW and you know, I can withhold his name, but one of the general chairmen came to visit us where I was working. And, you know, all the IBEW members showed up and there was you know, about a hundred folks, right? And he told us at the time for the contract, this is a shit deal, but we need to take it because if we let them do it, they're going to screw us. So we just better take the lesser of two evils. And you know, everyone's pissed off and saying, well, if they're both bad, we need to strike. We need to do that because why, why agree to any evil at all? Management and the unions have been in bed for years. Oh, yes. 100%. Well, that's what they told us. We had guys that spit out to this particular general chairman. It's like, you get paid $140,000 a year from the carriers, which are the railroads. Why should we believe a word you say? Right. You know, why should we support you? But you're our general chairman. You're supposed to be on our side, not theirs. So, and this particular union we talked about, it's the IAM. And it was IAM District 19. And they had 4,900 members vote against it. And this was yesterday. Right. Now it's been pushed through. Yeah. So I can imagine that's what happened is their general chairman folded whatever these labor secretaries or whatever they were doing, whatever they were saying behind closed doors, they pushed it through. Now, I will say this, they're going to have to vote on all this. So they averted a shutdown, but they still have to vote on these right. agreements. So there's still a voting process that has to occur. And we are in a mercury retrograde too, right? So- we're doing something retroactive right. or they're doing right. Retroactive pay during a Mercury retrograde with Mercury and Libra, which has to do with negotiation, but they're also theoretically signing a contract under Mercury retrograde. Right. This, should, this should be very interesting. That's no. what I thought too. It's like, man, this is almost too perfectly timed with that too. Right. Right. Um, so before you uh, jump off here, there's a there's a documentary I've talked about before, and I highly recommend. It's a and some and I don't know the exact name of it, but it's about a strike in I believe Minnesota with the Armor Meat Plant, and it's a great documentary, and it shows how a strike divides a town, 
right along the lines of two brothers or two brothers on opposite sides of the strike. And the thing that really stood out for me during this, this documentary is um, the unions, the meat packers union sends in a guy to rally them. And this guy is really sharp. He knows his shit. He's psychologically adept, tells him to keep going. You know, we're going to, we're going to make it hurt. We got your back. We're going to support you. He shows up one other time to give them a little pat on the back and, you know, a little more morale talk. And then after that, he's gone. Like there's, and then their, their, their bennies run out. Right. So now they're kind of out in the cold and they get no support from their union rep. And then armor starts hiring scabs, including this guy's brother. Right. So now all of a sudden their jobs are being filled. And then they have to strike a new deal. And eventually the new deal is just not very good. Right. It's like maybe a, a slight improvement over their old deal. And in some cases, some of these guys didn't even get their jobs back. So if you want to see how this thing works in a nutshell, go find that movie. It's about, I think, 70 or 80 minutes. I know, I know somebody in chat will come up with the name of that film. But I remember watching it when I was in my 20s. I'm like, holy shit, the fucking fix is in with these people. They got screwed, right? So anyway, let's have you um, back on one of these days. And maybe you and I can work together on a deep dive into the whole rail, railroad world. And maybe we could even go as far back as some of the Tartarian, you know, tracks that are associated with the railroad. That'd be cool. Yeah. So um, let's, uh, let's see if we can do that in the future. I think it'd be a fun show. And yeah, dude, thanks for having me on Robert. Yeah, man. It's great. And looking forward to seeing you in October. Yeah, so same year. At the event. I'm excited. I'm ready. All right, my brother, you take good care. You too. Y'all take it easy. Okay. That is our friend Shadow. And um, he is going to be at our event in October. And I, I met Benito. I met him just after he left his uh, post with the railroad. And um, <laughs> very interesting connection for sure. I've told the story before. Him and his buddy wanted to come see me and i'm like yeah sure i'm, I'm cool with that right we're, you know we're, we're big fans of you and david we want to come see you and i had forgotten that they were going to come see me and i'm at my office in my my old house which looked out into the street and i see this car roll up and i see these two dudes come out i'm like who the fuck is this and i'm like oh shit those are the these those are those guys that are going to come see me i forgot all about this so I let him in and I'm like, okay, well, here we go. Right. And, uh, and his buddy is like country rough. So, um, I think that day Benito has a, a, a bandana that he wears, right. It's like Benito and the bandana. So he was, he was rocking the bandana and his buddy was country rough. And I'm like, well, let's see where this goes. Anyway, they're great guys. We had a great time. Great night. And Benito uh, uh, and his buddy have become good friends. So it just goes to show you, right? There's a book, there's a cover, and there's a story inside that book. And uh, Benito's got a great story. All right, let's get into some other stuff here. We're gonna, we got a lot of ground to cover. 
Uh, let's see. So it's uh, 10 a.m. I'm going to 10.51 that I, act. I added 10 minutes of time. I'm the time master. So I added 10 minutes. So we have an extra 10 minutes to stretch out. So before I get into the uh, topic of the day, which has been the topic of the week, uh, I wanted to I wanted to bring something up here. This was something that I found on the uh, I found on Twitter, and this is I think this is a very interesting story. I mean, come on, we got a shit ton of interesting stories, but this one is pretty interesting. It even got T.J. Moe's attention. T.J. Moe, regular uh, contributor of uh, Fearless Jason Whitlock. And I, and I basically CC'd these guys. So I said, uh, what Jason, T.J. Moe, and Steve Kim, story worthy of discussion, film directed by a woman with a girl power theme, was likely nixed by Tencent, a Chinese company with a 10% stake in Skydance, the parent company, uh, who's the boss in the culture wars. So this is a very interesting story that's just kind of emerging here. There is a film on the books called The uh, Dallas Sting. And it was going to be directed by Carrie Scogland. Uh, and there were a number of key women that had been put into place to be a part of the production of this movie. And it's a movie about a girl soccer team that traveled to China and against the odds defeated some of the best women's teams in the world, including the Chinese, by the way. And Matthew McConaughey was signed on to be the coach of the girls team. And they had cast everybody that actually found soccer players with some acting ability. And they were going to use them in the movie so that they could shoot the scenes and they'd be realistic. And now all of a sudden they're shutting down production. And I just went and did a little bit of a deeper dive on Skydance and found that 10 cent has a 10, a 10 share in a company. You may not think it's big. It's a company this size with this amount of money. It's big. What would happen if they said, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to pull out. We're going to, we're going to sell our shares or we want our money back based who knows what their contract is too, or their agreement. Now all of a sudden the, the, their Skydance would have to cover their, their 10% vacuum. That's, that's significant. That is 10% in a, in a company that makes major motion pictures. In fact, they made the last um, top gun movie. And if I'm not mistaken, they're, a, they're either a subsidiary of Disney or they have some Disney investment capital. So this is not your sort of fly-by-night, um, you know, Daily Wire production with Gina Carano. This is a big-time Hollywood production, big-time Hollywood production company. You pull out 10%, that's a major loss. So 10% has a seat at the table, and that seat at the table was a Chinese company. So who, in terms of hierarchies, this because this is an interesting discussion, and this is what I posed to uh, TJ Mo. 
In terms of the hierarchy of the culture wars, who's on top? Clearly, it is not white liberal women. Because this, this movie is going to be all about girl power. And the screenwriter and the director were both women. So they're not at the top of the hierarchy. And even Matthew McConaughey, uh, Mr. I've Gone Woke, Matthew McConaughey, the guy who's had numerous films that um, glorified violence and gun violence, who got on, on, on board the Uvalde train, even Matthew McConaughey is downstream, or at least down the ladder of the hierarchy. China's calling the shots on this movie. And China is calling the shot. And I'm not a big blame China guy, although there is a lot of Chinese influence right now. You can't, that, that cannot be denied. They have invested in Hollywood. They've invested in the NBA big time. I wouldn't be surprised if they've invested in the NFL at this point. You know, back during the uh, 1970s, Saudi Arabia got, got wind of the fact that uh, you know, their money wasn't really good. There was no backing for the money they were getting. When I say backing, we're talking like, you know, gold or anything associated with the dollar. It was, it was just a subjective value that was determined by how many dollars were in circulation to buy their fucking oil, right? That's how, that's how it was valuated. Um, so what did, the, what did the Saudis do? They started investing heavily into the U.S., started investing into land properties and it hasn't stopped. Now they got a, now they got a fucking golf association taking on the PGA. It's called NIL. I think that is it NIL or I, it's, anyway. So they, the Chinese are doing the same thing. Once they started getting the big money, like, well, let's invest it. Let's buy shit up in the United States where we can have a controlling interest on things. That's exactly what they're doing. And this movie is a part of it. I don't normally go into the whole China bad world, but I found it interesting about when it comes to the woke hierarchy, who's really calling the shots? Tencent is. All right, let's, uh, let's go back in time since it is a Mercury retrograde. I found this story Um this is going to take us all the way back to March 9th in 2006. And this is, of all people, this is Keith Olbermann, and he's talking about the Patriot Act. We're going to talk about the Patriot Act, and we're going to talk about, you know, what happened as a result of 9-11. You saw the astrotheological and the mundane astrological interpretation on Sunday night show. If you haven't go check that out over on the 11th house where Christopher Knowles just completely knocks it out of the park with the astro theological uh, symbolism storming the gates of heaven. But there are other implications as well here. And he does touch a little bit on that, which is unending war. And this is really what happened with nine 11. It started a cycle of war without end. And we have been at war ever since 9-11. Started with the Afghanis, moved on to the Iraqis, had a brief pit stop in Libya, 
proxy war against uh, the Yemenis. Let's not forget Syria. Those are all wars, and they're all wars that we're direct, we are directly or indirectly involved with. And then once we shut down the theater in Afghanistan, where did we go? Another war, Ukraine. So we have been in an unending war cycle. Meanwhile, there does seem to be a war being waged against the people of this country as well. And not just the people of this country, but the people of this world. So 9-11 and the Patriot Act kicked off this period and cycle of unending war and conflict. We have not lived with one day of peace since then. Now, one could make a case that that was even true during the uh, Clinton administration. Because we were at war with the Clinton administration, too. We were at war in the Balkans. That was happening. Um, we had a no-fly zone over Iraq, sanctions against Iraq. That was all happening. And then you have things like the anti-terrorism bill in Waco, and um, you have whatever high strange happened in Oklahoma City, uh, Ruby Ridge, Randy Weaver, you have uh, Richard Pearl and uh, the Olympic bombing, Olympic Village bombing. I mean, all this stuff was going on during the during the 90s, Elian Gonzalez. So it wasn't like we weren't having some degree of war and conflict prior to 9-11. We have been. But it feels like the, the war... The warlords changed hands. It's like they passed the baton to a new group of warlords. So let's go into, um, oh, by the way, before I jump into this, you guys were all over it yesterday in chat because there were a few things that I did not cover but were critical. And one of the things that somebody brought up was the put options on the airlines that were made prior to what happened on not I somebody somebody had a put option on United and American because those are the two airlines that were involved in theoretically involved and we say theoretically now in the uh incident that took place on 911 and um, they basically had a put option for their stock price to drop. And I think they probably, I don't know if they actually had the, the number for the stock drop, you know, that had to go beyond a certain point, maybe 5% or 10%. I don't know what that was, but they were right. And they made money off of it. And nobody ever talked about it. Nobody ever talked about how the Bush family, there was only theoretically, because we were locked down. There was no plane travel in the days after 9-11. But there was one plane that got off the ground and managed to escape the, uh, the boundaries of the United States. And that plane contained the members of the Bin Laden family. Like, here you go. Safe passage. See ya. So there were a lot of things that happened, and the whole 9-11 investigation was a complete sham, complete sham, complete cover-up. Bush 
Cheney, and probably Rummy. I forget at least two of them, maybe all three of them. They had to do their um, testimony behind closed doors because of um, security. So we don't know what they said. And we don't even know if they really ever met with, what was it, Thomas Keene, who was running that thing? We don't know. We really don't know. But clearly it was a cover-up because they didn't talk about any of this other stuff. Just like now with January 6th, they're not talking about the other stuff that's associated with it. The whole plan here on the political side, we're not, we're, you know, we, we covered the esoteric side on Sunday night, but on the political side of things, it was to enact the Patriot Act. And the Patriot Act had been worked on. The Patriot Act was part of the project for a new American century, also known as PNAC. And it, and it comes out of these institutes like Brookings and AEI, the American Enterprise Institute. Some of these are not around anymore. I don't know if AEI is around anymore. AEI, Brookings, and the other one is JINSA, which is related to Israel and the Israeli military and Israeli intelligence services, right? They're another think tank. JINSA was involved with this as well. They cooked up, thanks to the Kagans, good old Kagans, the uh, Project for a New American Century, which is all about the first strike doctrine, right? And they baked that into the Patriot Act. And we became a different country. And the Patriot Act was passed very quickly. I think it was 12 days after nine. I think it's like what the 23rd. We'll find out here. We'll get, we'll get a, we'll get a clear date. It was, it was, it was already baked and ready to go. And then what do you do if you're Congress and the Senate, you just had these, this terrible event happen, right? Terrible event. Now here they're offering, offering up the solution problem reaction solution. The solution is the Patriot Act. We're going to protect you. And these are all the things that we're going to do in order to keep you safe. If you were, not everybody voted for it, by the way, but if you were a congressman or a senator that didn't vote on the Patriot Act, there's a pretty good chance that you were committing political suicide because it would be used against you by your political opponents. That was a very different time. Very different time. Because that kind of pressure now is exerted in other directions. It's, it's exerted more along the lines of CRT, uh, transhumanism, surveillance. That's what's happening. Climate change. They just, they just move the chess pieces around a little bit. And we're going to look at also a picture of, of who's signing the Patriot Act. And it's a very interesting photo that tells you in a lot of ways how much things have changed, but they've also remained the same. All right, let me get into this thing with uh, Keith Olbermann of all people. Let's, let's take a look at 
Keith Olbermann from the past. And I know you may want to, I'm, and again, I'm not here to champion Keith Olbermann, but he's on C-SPAN and he's talking about the Patriot Act. Let's see what old Keithy has to say here. Now to the East Room for the Patriot Act extension signing ceremony with President Bush. After this, House Homeland Security Chairman Peter King on the Dubai Ports World announcement that it would transfer U.S. port operations to a U.S. entity. So that's Michael Chertoff right there. Chertoff, by the way, in Russian means devil. He's the guy that is responsible for the RAPISCAN systems that have been deployed in airports through the TSA, which, by the way, did not exist prior to 9-11. That's another piece around 9-11. You have DHS. Right? FEMA was around prior to 9-11. But DHS begin, was set up, Department of Homeland Security. That That is a Frankenstein that they created on the heels of 9-11. Centralized power, centralized all these various entities inside the federal government under one umbrella, DHS, TSA, and subsuming everything. So the Patriot Act also worked as a consolidation of power and centralization. So um, let's hear, let's, so they're renewing the Patriot Act here. Let's hear, let's hear what uh, Bush too has to say. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. Look how white that crowd is. Thank you. Welcome. Please be seated. Leave this shit. Please be seated. Welcome. Thanks for the thanks for the applause. Glad you're here in the People's House. I'm going to sign, in a few moments, I'll be signing the USA Patriot Improvement and Reauthorization Act. This is a really important piece of legislation. It is a piece of legislation that's vital uh, to win the war on terror. And Look at the devil. American people. The devil right on his shoulder. Law allows our intelligence and law enforcement officials to continue to share information. It allows them to continue to use tools against terrorists that they used against that they use against drug dealers and other criminals it'll improve our nation's security while we safeguard the civil liberties of our people the legislation strengthens the justice department so it can better detect and disrupt terrorist threats and the bill gives law enforcement new tools to combat threats to our citizens from these are all outright lies Looking back, and look at him. Look at him. Look at him. It's almost like he's like this psychic Svengali just born into the back of his head. By the way, in the world of Colorus Castaneda, this area back here is called the assemblage point. It's a very interesting part of our this is, you know, basically where the where the where the spine meets the neck. Right. And, and then you have this transfer of cerebral spinal fluid up into your brain. And it happens to be one of the most vulnerable areas for people 
And it's it's supposed to, the, the assemblage point is supposed to alert a person whether or not the situation that they're in is something that they should continue to invest in in the moment. And it's a really good thing to understand because it's also connected to your fifth chakra. Your, yeah, it's your fifth chakra, your throat. Sorry, I had to go through my, my chakras there for a second. And if you're in a position where you start to talk, now everybody gets stage fright or has some issues with public speaking. It's a little bit different. But when you are in a, just a regular conversation with somebody and all of a sudden there's not as much power or emphasis um, or resonance with your words, that's your assemblage point talking to you. And your assemblage point is telling you to shut it down. So if you can articulate and you're resonant and things are, are flowing smoothly without you having to force them out, that's an indicator that you are having the right conversation. So he's, st he's standing right behind Bush where his assemblage point is. All right, let's keep playing. From international terrorists to local drug dealers. It is an important piece of legislation. And, I and how did that fucking work with the drug dealing? Thank those here who helped get it passed. <coughs> Particularly want to thank the Attorney General, Al Gonzalez. It's good to see former Attorney Generals here as well. I appreciate Secretary Mike Chertoff, Secretary John Snow, Ambassador Negroponte, Bob Mueller. Thank you all for coming. Robert Mueller. John Walters, appreciate you being here. Particularly want to thank the members of the Congress who are up here, starting with the Speaker of the House, Denny Hastert. Mr. Speaker, thanks for your leadership. This important piece of legislation. I do want to pay special tribute to Senator Arlen Specter and Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner. These are the chairman of the Judiciary Committees that got this legislation to this desk. Thank you all for your hard work. Appreciate you being here. I want to thank Pat Roberts, who's with us, John Boehner, Majority Leader, Roy Blunt, the Majority Whip. I want to thank all the other members of the Congress who joined us, particularly Peter King, who's the chairman of the House Homeland Security Committee. I want to thank all the state and local officials who are here. Chief, Chief Ramsey, it's good to see you. Appreciate you coming. Always be good to the local police chief. <laughs> America remains a nation at war. The war reached our shores on September the 11th, 2001. On that morning, we saw clearly the violence and hatred of a new enemy. We saw the terrorist destructive vision for us when they killed nearly 3,000 men, women, and children. So he's using, uh, obviously, a psychological tool to hammer this home. It's going to take people back into the trauma, which I'm sure he's probably pretty good at since apparently that's part of his life story. Now, Bush, astrologically, is a cancer. His son if I'm not mistaken, is pretty close to the United States sun. It's within, within about, I maybe mean, about a four or five degree orb, something like that. Um, so he's the perfect candidate astrologically to sell this shit. It's all very cancerian, all very protective and connecting into this whole idea of patriotism, right? 
because there was this weird mutant patriotism that came out of this time period, which I thought sucked. It's like, I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, and I talked about that before. So he's just going to go on and glad hand and glad hand and glad hand. I went ahead and apparently Keith Olbermann is part of another segment. So we don't have to watch him. Let's take a look at these guys. Now this is from the first Patriot Act. This is the first signing here. Look at the look on Bush's face. Protecting the homeland. When did we ever call the United States of America the homeland? Right, this was a whole new thing. It was a whole new thing. It was the branding of a new psychology. They had to have the Department of Homeland Security. So they needed to rebrand the country. Now it was the homeland. And where, where did we hear terms like the homeland before? Well, it kind of sounds a little like the fatherland. But these people are masters in psychology and being able to run these, uh, these, these, these tropes. And, you know, I, so I'm going to have a little fairness moment here. Yesterday, I got heavy into the Israeli and Jewish connection around 9-11. And you cannot deny it. I'm sorry. I did not make anything. I'm not sorry. You can't make any. I didn't make any of it up. Larry Silverstein, his brother-in-law, Bernard Mendick, the commissioner of the Port Authority, they all fit a profile. The rabbi who talked about praying with another rabbi a week before 9-11, talking about how in the Zohar this was prophecy, that's all part of the public record. I am not making anything up. The dancing Israelis who were arrested, they were arrested and they were, they were in, incarcerated for about a month in New Jersey. And then they went back to Israel and then they wound up on a, on a talk show. And they basically admitted that they were Mossad. I, I don't have to embellish the facts here. You can, you can draw any conclusion you want from them, but those things happened. You had another group who are the neocons who come out of this whole Bolshevik lineage. And to a T, <clears throat> the majority of them went to rabbinical schools. And we'll go through, and I've gone through their biographies and I've gone through their, their, their historical legacy. I could do it again if I wanted to. Right. And they're the ones that are cooking up the project for the new American century and the Patriot Act. Dov Zakim, who was a dual citizen, worked at the Pentagon. He was the comptroller. $2.3 trillion get missing, go missing. And then he leaves. He goes to work for Rand or somebody like that. I'm not making this stuff up. And you, be, and you begin to connect the dots and you can see the influence. I'm, again, I'm not sorry. 
We also talked a little bit about the connection between Bush, Bandar Bush, Bandar Bush's son, who at the time was dating the woman who would eventually marry Donald Trump Jr. We talked about Donald Trump not liking Bernard Mendick because Mendick was opposed to Trump's super high-rise skyscrapers in Manhattan. That's all part of the public record. So I'm going to go in a bit of a different direction, and I'm going to I'm going to do a basic commentary on these guys. What do you see predominantly? These are white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, as much as we know, males. These guys are fucking sellouts. They're sellouts. They're 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 probably connected to one another through their fraternal organizations. Of course, Bush belonged to Skull and Bones. And when you get into the, the power dynamics of Skull and Bones, they don't care what side they're on. They pump out liberal and progressive members. They pump out Republican and conservative members. And they're all engaged in one thing. And that one thing is the accumulation of power. And they don't care what side of the fence they're on. It's about power. And Anthony Sutton, who I think did an amazing, I don't think he got everything right. I think he left out a large part of the equation. Uh, he actually championed Bibi Netanyahu. He didn't know enough about him at the time. But that's another story. Now I'm calling these guys out. Now I'm calling these fuckers out because they're traitors. They're traitors. They're traitors to the country. And they're traitors. Again, I'm a spirit having a physical experience. And in this lifetime, I happen to be a white male. And yeah, I was baptized. You know, I, I can count the amount of times I've been to church on one hand. So theoretically, I am a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male. I was baptized Episcopal. My mother is a very devout churchgoer. I'm not there. These guys sold people like me out. They sold them out. They sold us out. They took all their money and interest up front. And it's because of this, because of the pernicious overreach of the government, that we're in a place that we are now. There are a lot of other factors here, right? People had eight years of Bush, and they were sick of the fucker. They were look, look at the look at the shit eating grin he's got on his face. They were sick of the fucker. Electing Obama was real easy. It was real easy. And who did they put up against Obama? John McCain, another insider. John McCain had no he he. He knew he wasn't going to win. He knew it. He didn't care. He'd get political favor by taking the fall. So you put Obama up against a rebel like John McCain. What did they call McCain? Wild card? Whatever, man. Like, talk about cognitive dissonance. That was a slam dunk. You had a you had Obama, young, articulate, good looking. America gets to atone for its 
sins against slavery, theoretically. They get to elect their first black president and feel really proud of that. A lot of it had to do with the fact that nobody liked this shit bag anymore after eight years, right? He leaves and the housing crisis fucking blows up. He comes in. George Bush was a disaster, not for the people he worked for, but for the American people, he was an utter disaster. First of all, we have an election that's settled by the Supreme Court and the hanging Chad, right? Where did all that start? In his brother's state of Florida. That's how, that's how his presidency starts off. Not long into it, April 2000, we have, we have a big crash with the NASDAQ. Why? Because Alan Greenspan kept raising the interest rates, which meant that these dot-com companies who were popping up like mushrooms, a lot of which had, had marginal business models, by the way, because I was there. And they were, they were really horny for second and third round funding. If they were lucky, they got second round funding. All that stopped. All that stopped in April of 2000. I watched it. I was working for a dot-com. I, I, I watched the slaughterhouse in Silicon Valley. Not long after that, companies were going out of business. People were losing their jobs. It was almost over as quickly as it started. And then you had, of course, the big fish swallowing the little fish. That's what happened. Luckily, the company I worked for had a shit ton of seed capital. So we were able to go on for a while until ultimately uh, in 2001, late 2001, we were purchased by uh, Universal Vivende, who thought that we had some value. Um, but I watched all that from the front row, right? And I watched everything collapse. Silicon Valley happens on his watch because the shit bag, Alan Greenspan, kept raising interest rates, which, which made it impossible for a lot of these companies to get their feet under them. Again, there are some dubious models. These, these random products that were almost um, developed so they get the seed money. That's where it starts, right? Two years, a, a year later, we're into 9-11. The Patriot Act, abrogating the Constitution. That all happens within one year of this guy becoming president. One year. Then we go off into these wars and we start spending a shit ton of money, more psychological warfare on the American people. We, we fire up Gitmo. There's Abu Ghraib, another psychological operation. And then the demonization of Islam. Now, what's interesting about the demonization of Islam is that Louis Farrakhan once said there could never be an Islamic caliphate against the West. And by the time Bush had left office, and by the time Obama was, you know, maybe about a year or two deep into his term, Farrakhan had gone back on his words. Because, of course, we're talking about things like Libya and Egypt and all these incursions. And, and what are you doing? You're stirring up a hornet's nest. This is exactly what happened. They create, they created the enemy. They created the enemy.
And then by the time he's done, what do we have? We have the housing crisis. And he just walks away, just walks away, off into the sunset for his new career as a painter. Then you have these shit fucks leering. They're leering. Look at them. They're like, we're going to make so much fucking money off of this. It is not even funny. Not even funny. Oh, my God. I can't wait to start paying these escorts, these higher level escorts. This is exactly what's going on. I guess we should talk about the neocons a little bit. Let's take a look at the Patriot Act. I've actually done a chart for the Patriot Act. You'll do one again on Sunday night. We'll take another look at it. So <clears throat> here's what we got. Expanded surveillance abilities of law enforcement, including tapping domestic and international phones, easier interagency communication to allow federal agencies to more effectively use all available resources in counterterrorism efforts and increased penalties for terrorism crimes and expanded list of activities which would qualify for terrorism charges. All that was fine when the terrorists were way over there. Am I right? People were good with this when it had to deal with brown-skinned people who worshipped a different god in a land far away. Oh, yeah, we're good with that. But what about now? What about now? What's the definition of terrorism now? Well, that definition certainly has morphed, hasn't it? The law is controversial due to its authorization of indefinite detention without trial of immigrants. Where does it say immigrants? The people who were at the Capitol building on January 6th are being held under the guise of the Patriot Act. They can be held indefinitely because they are being viewed as what? Terrorists. So it's not just an immigrant. So when Obama was going to be elected president. I said to myself, well, if he's going to be worth his salt and be a true president, he'll do two things. Number one, he'll end the Patriot Act. And number two, he'll stop the wars in the Middle East. That's your litmus, Obama. And he said he would. He said he would, he said he would stop the war in Iraq. President Obama signed the Patriot Sunset Extension Act of 2011 with three extended provisions. 
These provisions were modified and extended until 2019 by the USA Freedom Act passed in 2015. Those are all on Obama's watch. In 2020, efforts to extend the provisions were not passed by the House of Representatives as such the laws expired. So at the very least, some of those provisions have um, fallen off. Look at all these sanctions that were amended. So it was introduced by Jim Sensenbrenner, uh, Wisconsin. I think I've looked at him before. These are all, so it was uh, introduced on October 23rd, 2011, 2001. Shit. That's what? A little over a month and a half after this thing, after 9-11, uh, passed on House October 24th, yeas 357, nays 66, passed the Senate October 25th, 2001, yeas 96, nays 1, signed into law October 26, 2001. It's a Scorpio. Scorpio Act, transforming the entire DNA of the Republic. Yet another another iteration, another layer, because this has gone on since 1776. Let's take a look at the nays for the House. Who are the nays? Yays, nays. Who are the nays? I'm sure the nays. Baldwin Barrett, Blumenauer, Bonnier, Boucher, Boucher, Brown, Capuano, Clayton Conyers, a lot of Democrats here, um, Coyne, Cummings, Davis, DeFazio, Getty, Dingle, Farr, Filner, Barney Frank didn't vote for it, uh, Hastings, Hilliard, Honda, Jackson, Barbara Jackson Lee, the nut job from Texas, she didn't vote for it, uh, Johnson, E.B. Johnson, Jones of Ohio, Dennis Kucinich, whom I met. He didn't vote for it. Uh, let's see. Lewis McDermott, McGovern, McKinney, Meek, George Miller, Mink, Mollahan, Nadler. Look at that. Fucking Nadler didn't vote for this. Now he'd vote for it. He wouldn't have any problem now. Yeah, Ron Paul down there. He said nay. Of course. Peterson, Ray Hall, Rivers, Rush, Sabo, Sanchez, Bernie, Bernie Sanders. 66 nays. Interesting number. Schakowsky, Scott, Serrano, Stark, Thompson, Tierney. Two Udalls. Two doll. One in Colorado, one in New Mexico. Velasquez, Wisklowski, Waters, Watson, Watt, Woolsey, and Woo. You got nine that didn't vote. Nine chicken shits. Abercrombie, Billericus, Burton, Burton from California. Clay Cuban, Hanson Hill, Kilpatrick, and Young from um, Alaska. And look at all those yays. Yay. Patriot Act. Yay. Yay. Dystopia. Yay. Fascism. Um, let's go into the, uh, let's go to the Senate. Who's the lone Senator? Who was the one Senator that had the sack to say nay? Let's find out who that Senator is. 
Who said nay? Landro from Louisiana didn't vote. I'm going to sit this one out. I'm going to tap it out. Uh, let's see. All the usual suspects. Come on. Who's the nay? Isn't there a nay there? Feingold. Russ Feingold, the Democrat from Wisconsin. He's the guy with the tank in uh, Tiananmen Square. That was Russ Feingold. Russ Feingold, a chicken shit non-voter and a bunch of yays. Landro didn't vote. Come on, Landro. So there you go. What do we got? I got an extra 10 minutes today. I baked that in. All right, let's see. So I'm not going to get into this in a granular fashion, but let's just go through the different titles here and things that are associated with the Patriot Act. Title I, Enhancing Domestic Security Against Terrorism. Title II, Enhanced Surveillance Procedures. Title III, Anti-Money Laundering to Prevent Terrorism. Title IV, Border Security. Oh, how's that going? Title V, Removing Obstacles to Investigating Terrorism. Title VI, Victims and Families of Victims of Terrorism. I think it's the Settlement Clause. Title VII, Increased Sharing for Critical Infrastructure Protection. Uh, Title VIII, Terrorism Criminal Law. See January 6th. Title IX, Improved Intelligence. So that's when you have uh, FISA and all this other stuff going on. Title 10, miscellaneous. They're just going to throw everything in there that's not in there. Uh, so section expirations, some of them have expired. Access to records and other items under the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, that expired. But all these other things are continuing to be in effect. And they, do, they always do this, right? So something that sounds like it's for the good of the people. Like the Patriot Act. They flip it around and they invert it and it's anything but the Patriot Act. Same thing happened with the infrastructure bill. It has nothing to do with infrastructure. They do this all the time. They invert the language. They invert the concept. It's part of the occult magic, by the way. It's the magic of inversion. Oh, I was going to talk. Did I talk about Prince? I did. Yeah. I did talk about Prince. And that whole inversion of the, even the inversion of the rainbow. Um, okay. We've got seven minutes left in the show. Let's do this really quickly. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Mm. 
So this is a website called Santra. Jean-Paul Santra. Uh, let's do this. And it's from uh, December 14th, 2010. So uh, this webs this uh, post has some legs here. I'll leave the link in the chat or maybe the description of the show if you want to read this. But it talks about the emergence of the neocons. Uh, I believe, who wrote this? Was it Justin Raimundo, who's now dead? If you believe that the neocons disappeared after the 2008 election, how soon do you forget with the next round of never-ending Beltway two-step? Republican leadership readies their hold of the House of Representative agenda. The Tea Party freshmen promise to bring a breath of fresh air to a stuffy chamber. Time will tell if the pledge, their pledge of hope will pan out. They were all bought and paid for. Completely and utterly astroturfed. Uh, Justin Raimundo, the courageous one, who, again, who's now dead. Conservatives are accustomed to liberals not understanding the zoology of our movement, but the use and abuse of the term neoconservative has exceeded even the high allowance for cliche and ignorance generally afforded to those who write or talk about conservatism from the outside, the conservative ant farm. In fact, neoconservative has become a Trojan horse for a vast arsenal of ideological attacks and insinuations. For some, it means Jewish conservative. For others, it means hawk. A few still think it means squishy conservative or ex-liberal. And a few don't even know what the word means. They just think it makes them sound knowledgeable when they use it. From these comments, three examples emerge. Pro-Zionist, global interventionists, and rhino Republicans implied is that all three wear the GOP label and adopt the badge of being a conservative. Each is not mutually exclusive and often embrace all three distinctions. The best way to view neocons is not by what they say, but by the deeds and their policies they champion. The true test of their impact lies in the consequence of their actions. These are the guys that created right here, the standard use in evaluating new Republican majority in the House of Representatives in the next Congress should consider the varied tribes of the neocon species. Three examples illustrate what to look for. Unequivocal endorsement of APAC Zionism and complete support for State of Israel, full support for war and terror, ongoing Afghan or Iraq presence, and future attack on Iran, backing the Patriot Act, Homeland Security, open borders, Federal Reserve, and deficit spending. Three basic, these basic establishment viewpoints or the essence of the bipartisan political elites. What confuses many people who target neocons as betrayers of genuine conservative principles is that the unholy alliance with progressive and liberal Democrats is fundamental to the existence of the neocon con job. The CFR, neocon connection, makes the point. Authentic conservatives have long been opponents on the Council for Relations. 
The subtle merging of the mainstream CFR elites with their Trotskyites and Subrosa neocon cousins continues. Both are part of the same scheme, an enemy of America. Internationalists swing an elephant trunk while excreting from a donkey's ass. Globalists share the same neocon core devotion to empire. There is nothing conservative in this outlook. A watershed excuse for systemic despotism rests upon the fairy tale of the government's version of 9-11. As long as the public remains mesmerized with false enemies, pointless foreign adventures, expect more body scanning, financial intrusion, and electronic surveillance. Notwithstanding the election of Tea Party candidates, the emergence of neocons is assured. The leadership in the Republican Party is solidly in the neocon camp. The absurd report warns it appears the House GOP hasn't learned their lesson from the last time around because these, these two picks signal it is back to business as usual. Now, the neocons, to Trump's credit, they were out. Bill Kristol hated Trump. He was not into it. So Trump was a little bit of a neoconic repellent. Now, he had his own connections and his own allegiances. But the neocons were not part of them. And where are they now? Back in Ukraine. Back in Ukraine. And the wheel keeps on turning. We'll be back tomorrow over on uh, the 11th House channel. Thanks for being here. Thanks for looking back at 9-11. I'm Robert Phoenix. Use your head in order to see what's real. Your heart to see what's possible. Bye for now.